Hello there and welcome to another episode on Manifest Millions. Today I have LaTanya Taylor who will be joining us. LaTanya Taylor, the queen of rebirth, has cultivated her life experience, community service, professional training, and faith walks into a spiritual testimony. LaTanya has her own testimony, test and triumph, that required her to demonstrate her own rebirth. Now a purpose, pleasure, passion counselor, healing educator, and entrepreneur who leads others to her signature blend of spiritual psychology, transformation, and feminine soul retrieval rites of passions program. She is also a coach and production consultant on Emmy award-winning show on the OWN network with her mentor, Dr. Ayana Vincent, Fix My Life, where she coaches and produces 1.5 million views to breakthrough. Her message, Rebirth and Emerge Transform. On this episode, we're discussing the attitudes around women and money and why open discussions around purpose, pleasure, and passion are a priority to be normalized. If you know that you're pregnant with purpose, then it's time to get into position for delivery. Tune in to discover why we need to rebirth the mindset that matches our desires, interrupts old patterns, and establishes new ones to play a bigger game to turn your win into wins in both life and business. I am super excited to have LaTanya Taylor on Manifest Millions. I connected with LaTanya on the uh, on Instagram and I was so drawn to her message and the work that she does because it does align with the vision of what Manifest Millions is and what we do here at Well Stylist Co. So LaTanya, I'm so excited to have you as a guest. Thank you for having me. So could you share a little bit more um, with the audience who you are and what you do and how you serve? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I am LaTanya Taylor, affectionately known as the Rev Coach, the Juicy Spirit Mama, the Priestess of Purpose, Pleasure, Passion, and Profits. (laughs) And I turn blind spots into breakthroughs in your love, sex, and money. I do that through my programs at Rebirth International, signature programs, rites of passage programs, and of course, individual uh, coaching and and, uh, ministerial counseling, as well as 1.5 million plus viewers on Iyanla's Fix My Life um, on the OWN Network. That's amazing. You have such an amazing impact on the world. I always say that it is our duty to do our part to heal humanity. And when you talked about love, sex, and prosperity, I'm like, oh my goodness, all the things that culturally we hide from having conversations around. I um, recently posted that I um, hired a JJ therapist um, because I believe that it's not just important to invest in our business, but to invest in our self-care and our health. So I find that interesting that you actually tie that and lace that together. So it's all forms of wealth. What inspired you to do the work that you do? What inspired me was my own journey. Um, Everything that I teach is something that I've lived, my own blind spot that turned into a, a breakthrough. I started with a little girl broken heart, a woman with a little girl broken heart. And I started working with Ianla to understand almost 20 plus years ago, um, if, if not more, what was going on. I was young, married, um, in leadership. 
I, I lived well. I was a kept woman. We were business owners. And I didn't understand different mindsets at that time. Um, I was in a religion. And I kind of followed the, the tenets of the religion because I was young. And so you just kind of go with whatever you've been taught when you're young. And then as a woman, I began to have questions. I needed to understand things from all of the levels now that my role had expanded to in my early 20s. And it started me on a journey of self-discovery and personal development. And Ianla Van Zandt was the only Black woman game in town, so to speak, that was teaching this. And so I, I absorbed everything and, and took it to every level that I could of practice. Mm. Now, when you talk about your journey and your struggle, um, is it okay to ask you a little bit more specific of what that looked like from meaning where were you at that moment and from where you are today? What's the true difference in between those two individuals? Oh, sure. You can ask me anything. Uh, I'm open. I'm an open book. I, uh, the journey then, uh, what's the difference in the journey now? Um, Back then, I was very uh, focused on being good. I didn't realize uh, some of the restrictions and some of the unconscious patterns of my childhood, some of the unconscious patterns of my wounds, and even some of the unconscious patterns of my own family structure and how that influenced everything. And I think that I was uh, managing my the broken heart hearted little girl, I think. I was making decisions to play it safe. So at that time, I you wouldn't I wouldn't ever think of being an entrepreneur. In fact, I was married to an entrepreneur and resisted when he tried to help me get my own business. Because wow. I still had traditional a traditional mindset and religion definitely impacted that that the man is the head, he's supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. And it wasn't until I started to not be fulfilled, even though I had all these things, right? I was a, a, a very uh, successful student for the most part. I graduated with honors. I went to college with honors. I had a four-year Army ROTC scholarship. So I had made great choices and decisions to make sure that I was secure. But now as an entrepreneur, the first thing that you face is your mindset around security comfort, playing it safe. And so I, now I do things and have done things that I don't think is shocking, but it people do. Like, you know, I left the country, the left by choice to live abroad, mm -hmm. sold all my things and moved abroad and lived abroad before it became a fad and a thing. So I think now I'm more confident about being different, thinking different, and interrupting patterns that make me fall into any majority sameness. Mm. Mm. That was powerful um, because I recently shared um, on my Facebook page more so personally um, how I decided to ask for help because I believe asking for help is a sign of maturity. And mm -hmm. as I'm listening to you and you share how you felt like your adult self 
I know for me, I felt that way was running my child self was running my adult life. Absolutely. And I felt like I have I was sitting in that chair of the between the child and the adolescent. And I wasn't making decisions from a position of strength from the adult chair because there was so much trauma that needed to be healed. And that area that I kept looking through achievement to be my validation or looking for money as a source of success for myself. And so just listening to you say that, you know, that was just an uh, epiphany and aha moment that I believe that many times, especially those who are high achieving, um, highly successful find themselves coming to um, redefine what belief and success is for them. So if someone's listening right now and they are at a moment of truth is what I call it, what would you share with them would be the first step to take um, their, I guess, a forward action through their breakthrough? What was your first step to your breakthrough? Which one? Because I've had so many breakthroughs. Oh, <laughs> well, I sure. live, listen, I live a life of looking mm -hmm. for the breakthrough and i it, especially if i'm stuck if i'm stuck if there's conflict if there's breakdown because i really pleasure you asked me about pleasure earlier and and you asked me about love sex and money what i found with when i was working with my with clients um i saw that they all led back to what we believe you know, what we think, what we've been taught, who taught us, how we're loyal to certain um, ideas and norms and that type of thing. And so I think the first thing that a person has to be willing to do is to stand in their truth, even alone. Uh, you know, that doesn't feel good. I don't like that. I'm tired of, 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 of feeling this way. For me, because I am an ordained minister, Natasha, and I have tools, I would say one of my most powerful breakthroughs is when I finally said, I'm tired of praying the same old prayer. Uh. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I, when I heard, would get on the phone with my prayer partners, year after year, I started to hear myself praying about a job and the next job. And to make sure that I had a job, I was praying about money. And that was a sign as a, as a spiritual practitioner, as a, as a metaphysician, which I'm a trained metaphysician, an ordained metaphysical minister of spiritual consciousness, and not from male order. <laughs> <laughs> not from, not from online. <laughs> I had to go through a process. And so um, when I heard myself saying and responding to my life the same way that I would challenge a client, I had to challenge myself. And particularly successful people, we are good at being able to pour into the lives of other people, call them on it. But when you can call yourself on your own patterns, on your own repetitive response system, that is the beginning of self-mastery. Mm. I got chills listening to you say, you were tired of repeating the same prayer over and over again, because I can so relate to having not just the prayer, but experiencing the same year after year. And, you know, realizing that 
for me to do something different, I need to be self-aware because that's what's going to pull me closer because the denial part of it kept pushing me away from what it is that I truly or the life that I wanted to design for myself. And so when it comes to money, <laughs> I always believe that it will be an inside job first before it's an outside job. You know, what is your philosophy when it comes to money in the sense? My philosophy is that I am the money. And when I don't have it in the physical, there's something going on in, in, my, in my spiritual, emotional, or mental. Because there's money everywhere. There's an opportunity for me to have it. And either I might not know the game uh, I'm to, to get it. There is a game, you know, so I am not overly romanticizing it because there are too many people who think that if I just say positive affirmations, money is money is going to come now. <laughs> and <laughs> no, you have you, there's a way that we have to show up in alignment with what we say that we desire. So I believe that I am the money, that money is energy. And that there is, there's a difference between just talking about money as an energy and getting into awareness at, at the levels of money. There's, there's a psychology to money, but there's also levels, as Meek Mill says, to this. <laughs> so could you talk about those levels really quick? <laughs> I mean, some of us, you know, when I when 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 you first start becoming aware of affirmation and positive thinking, the first thing we learn how to do is to stop judging, stop complaining, stop being negative, right? And then we then you start to use your affirmations and your awareness sometimes for to for bills and parking spaces. You want to manifest a bill. And oftentimes, depending on what culture you come from, that's that that's where we oftentimes stop. It's, oh, if I could just pay my bills. Mm. But there's another game of money of having your money work for you when you are sleeping. Then there's another game game of money where of philanthropy where where we just saw like a, a bestos, Je uh, Jeff, that mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who, who just gave away a hundred million dollars. Plus to one person, he gave away a hundred million dollars. What game is he playing? You know? And so, so I, even for me, I have an intellectual understanding of the game much better than when I came into entrepreneurship or spirituality. I had the spiritual knowledge in the beginning because I trained and I studied on it and I could quote it, but I still did not have the tactical uh, awareness of what to do. And the other thing, Natasha, is a lot of us are doing copycat vision boards. <laughs> I want what he, what she has. I want what they have. But can you desire what you, what, you, what it is that you want to experience based off of who you are, what your assignment is here on Earth? Because that that is what I call alignment. Alignment is about not about being right, being wrong. It's not about just following a formula. Alignment is when I'm able to match the energy that I say I want to manifest. So many good nuggets that you share. And I'm just sitting behind here and nodding my head, um, just in agreement with the spiritual and the physical um, understanding or just even the embodiment of what wealth is. And I always share, especially with entrepreneurs, that if you're not clear on who you are, what you do and how you serve, you will always feel like you're all over the place. 
and your results will manifest in that way and it will be inconsistent sporadic and you get frustrated and that's when I start seeing women feel burnt out tired and overwhelmed Um, and so you know just hearing you share some of those key elements and those nuggets Um, most importantly that you are the money and I feel as though um, especially with women we have so many generational traumas limiting belief cultural stigmas you know media stigmas um, as far as women journeying through America and being able to stand on our own um, for you, what have, have what have been some of the most common limiting beliefs or blocks that you have seen with the clients that you have worked with or even for yourself? Oh, sure. I'll do both. I will tell you, we just did a show for women, successful women um, on Eon Look Fix My Life. It's, it's one of the shows I'm most proud of. It's with four women who were all very successful in the entertainment industry. However, they could not manifest Uh, a relationship, a solid relationship, or they had breakdowns in their families. So what I see is a lot of women, which it's by design, who are able to achieve. You talked about it a, a moment ago, high achievement. We hide behind the achievement, but when we get home, that home is not a hiding place. Or when we get with our girlfriends, it's not a hiding place. So we're, we're being successful out in the world, but then feeling insignificant in our personal worlds. Huh. That is what I see commonly. Um, of course, I see, uh, and that's for women at very high levels, because uh, oftentimes they don't have or don't trust that people can handle their quagmire, their breakdown, their upset their you know in fact sometimes their family is like well you have everything and so it pushes women oftentimes the women we adore who are trying to keep it together have become so disassociated from their femininity from their heart and even from the original purpose that that really lit them up and turned them on Um, for me I would say it, it has been um, being paid my worth because I am a, um, a servant leader. I'm trained to be a servant leader first. Um, there are a lot of coaches, business coaches who come in through learning how to sell first. I didn't come in that way. Um, I came in with the, with the self-mastery journey where I had to spend a year of studying to manifest something in my life before I could even start talking about helping other people manifest in theirs. And so for me, it has been learning how to, to stand on my value and my worth without overgiving and then feeling drained and burnt out because I'm trying to rescue people who look like me and they didn't ask to be rescued. So the other thing for us is particularly leaders and influencers is to surrender the S like what surrender the need to, to, to save everybody and you're in need of saving your own self. So that's been huge for me later in my life is to prioritize myself. Pleasure helped me do that. Okay. And so what does that, when you say pleasure, what does that look like? Oh, 
I love that you hired a JJ therapist. <laughs> I sure did. And a lot of people were shocked by that. They were like, what, what does she do? Talk to it? What does she do? Um, tell you about what's going on down there? Um, I, I would consider myself a JJ therapist. Let me tell you how it looks. It looks like being the only black woman who's ordained with Reverend on the front of her name talking about being juicy. That's what it looks like. For me. <laughs> and so for me, I believe that the sacred and the profane are not are not that far apart. And so um, I focus on the sacred. But many of us have found our sexuality and our relationship with money um, and love to be a profane. We focus on the profane part, the profane experience of it first. But pleasure in particular is about the ability to feel good and to live from desire, not just sex. So we're not talking, when I say pleasure, I think culturally that we have become very immature through, the, through Western society, Western culture, mm -hmm. to be very immature about sexuality. And it has a direct reflection on our money and how we do business. And even our message about money, uh, excuse me, about, yeah, sex, money, and business. Right now, you know, if you talk about business, they, people say business and pleasure don't mix. I don't agree with that. And so, of course, I teach business and pleasure does mix. <laughs> I love that because I do agree that uh, life is a sense of enjoyment and my philosophy has always been since I started Wells Dallas Co is that um, it's so important that we have a positive relationship with ourselves with who we are, because that will in turn help us to build the confidence that we need with money and in turn help us to do our part in our family, in our community, and through our purpose, but it all starts with ourselves. And so I love that you touch on the pleasure, not just of sex, but the pleasure with self. I also think identity is has been one of the um, key things I know for me in my journey is the identity of what that looks like, especially as a woman of color, who mm -hmm. is balancing all these different roles and then the expectation of what America thinks of what I should be. And so sometimes it can be very taboo to even have conversations about sex or conversations about money or conversations about, you know, anything else that's supposed to, you know, quote unquote, bring us pleasure um, because it has been culturally deemed as, oh, we don't talk about that, you know, hush, don't, you know, push that under the rug. If someone wanted to take that first step in a life of enjoyment um, with themselves, what would you suggest that they actually do to move that in that direction? I would start with literally talking about what you desire to enjoy. You would be so surprised or your listeners may be so surprised at when you, you just said it really, I'm kind of reversing it, is that you, you, you provided the problem, I'm providing the solution. And what the problem is, you're right. People don't want to talk about, just like in our families, right? When we have things that affect our psychology and our mental health, we'll, talk, we'll get on Facebook and post about what somebody else did from the blogs but we won't call out our family members, our siblings, our uncles, our big mama. And, and we, we won't talk about things. So the first thing 
is to begin to even be witness in what you enjoy with nobody's opinion, with not worrying about whether you're going to offend someone and be around people who can hold space for you to say what you desire without uh, crucifying you, without punishing you, without uh, uh, putting you in a place of trigger. And so that's important is to learn to find safety and safe spaces to just explore what you really do enjoy to talk about it. Cause we are so good at talking about what we don't want. Mm -hmm. And so what about, what do you want? That's true. Um, we often are quick to look at life through the lens of lack and scarcity versus that of abundance. And I do believe, you know, honoring our values, having those safe spaces like you just shared is critical and it's extremely important, especially on the topic when it comes to money. Um, I shared with my listeners uh, when I first started, I was at a place of brokenness. I had my daughter premature. She was two and a half pounds. I had $300 in my bank account and I was on bed rest at five months. That's what sparked me into learning more about money and learning, you know, some of those belief systems that I had that was not supporting me. Because here I had this finance and real estate degree, but I was financially dysfunctional. I was broken. I was, you know, so disconnected. Um, and working through, you know, having some of those safe spaces, being able to be fully honest and transparent. Most importantly, understanding my worth and value, which is, I believe, huge, um, especially as an entrepreneur when it comes to asking for what we want or, you know, just for pricing or charging our value. I don't say worth because I believe that we're prices, but charging our value. When it comes to entrepreneurship in that sense, what have you seen um, in your work that has been one of the biggest blocks around money? Ooh, wow, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in so many of these conversations. Is enoughness the biggest block is that I'm. Um, we're always uh, operating and listening to the world and to others through filters of listening based off of a core, a core listening skill. All of us have impressions on listening, and not enough is a big one because not enough shows up as not enough, which is about doing more. So we have a lot of doers in the world who are, the, those are oftentimes you're overachievers. So they're always trying to do more. And that's where we, we meet the, the high achiever who's burnt out, who's not satisfied. And it usually it's pretty exaggerated because they've held it in so long because they're trying to find, because high achievers are taught to become problem solvers. And so not enough can show up as overcompensating. But not enough can also show up as for those who are playing small in their life, accepting small, settling. Um, and, and, and of course, the, the, the mental programs go, go much deeper than what I'm saying. I'm only scratching the surface. And then the next listening style, I would say, is not good enough. Not, and so we, so the overachiever or underachiever sometimes is always evaluating themselves through performance. I can raise my hand to that. <laughs> um, to be honest, I can raise my hand to, to, to the not enough one. And so how uh, do you help women fix that, you know, not feeling enough or having to over deliver 
and undercompensate for their gift. And I call it prostituting their gifting um, because I see it a lot. And that's something that I did when I first started is, you know, prostituting my gifting. I felt like I had to be, and I call it a flea market coach. You know, when you go into the flea market and you're trying to haggle people just to close a deal. And I felt myself really burnt out from that. And I, you know, the realization from that is that I was prostituting my gifting and I don't believe that's how I need to live in alignment. And so I had to make some boundary shifts for myself in order to allow myself a little bit more grace and to build more with ease and kind of do it my way for, you know, your clients. How do you help them in that sense when they are living in that space of those limiting blocks around money? Well, I would say, you know, I believe in a process. I don't necessarily believe in fix in fixing, even though, even though I work <laughs> on the show, fix my life. I know. Let me say this. Let me let me un, let me explain. Okay, okay. She's the one who taught me. We don't fix people because because that sends a message that people are broke. Um, but the name was sexy, and that's what Om wanted to go with. Okay. <laughs> But so I don't believe in fixing people. Um, and I actually don't believe in helping people either because helping comes from a place of codependency and people have different expectations of help. Help could mean to a person, give give me some money. Help to another person <laughs> can mean that, you know, you owe me because when you have limiting uh, beliefs and, and lack consciousness, it can be very toxic how you hear, how you speak. So I make people aware and then I give them a choice. Now that you know, what are, what are we going to do different? So we partner in those, those things that we're going to do different. You know, you're going to do different. And so that I really do think that um, that is where I support uh, my clients to make choices and give them tools. You know, a lot of people in these in this so-called coaching industry are just regurgitating without having the modalities of, of training to move people from one goal to the next without browbeating them. There's a lot of toxic, a lot of lack consciousness even in this industry of this whole whole concept of business coaching or you know money coaching and that type of thing. But when you really work with someone to give them a tool, they can use it over and over again, just like a hammer, a screwdriver, and a hoe. You know, you could, they got all kinds of different uh, um, new things that you can do, but nothing can take away those basic tools that you can go into any garden, even if it's not motorized, if it doesn't have a fancy workaround. <laughs> when you have basic tools, you can now apply them and till your own soil. So that's, I, I believe, how I, I like what you said, blueprint. I give my clients a blueprint and it's their choice whether to use it or not. Mm, I totally agree. I totally agree. Having that framework is really important because you can use it in different spaces and at different times. Have you had an instance where a client was you had to fight for their healing more than the client themselves. Oh my I, God. <laughs> Listen, in the beginning, you said you call yourself a flea market uh, coach. I call myself a bleeding heart. That's why spirit, God in me, as me, through me, 
you know, holy I am showed me myself. It, it showed me my own mindset and, and particularly in business. Because, you know, when you're an employee and you go to work and you come home, then you go to church, you know, you, you can easily get caught into the service model. Well, you know, I'm going to serve for a little while, but when you are really working with people, ministering is what I call it to people in the marketplace, like I do, I was getting my feelings hurt left and right trying to, to get people to get it. I'm a real teacher at heart. And if you, if you grew up with anybody in your family that's a real teacher, they don't just have to be in the classroom. They're always teaching. They get on your nerves. I got on people's nerves in the beginning because I was offering things that they didn't even ask me for. So, I, so of course, I had, in the beginning, yes, I definitely um, was fighting people for their healing. And it never works. It never works. Never. The client who questions your price or the one that you have to fight to hold on to will do the least. Will show up the least. Will sabotage themselves the most. So I had to learn to meet people where they are and make them qualify for my time. Uh, and that was a huge shift for me. That was good. That was good because I can relate to that. Um, and now I put it in the contents when I work with clients. When you go to the doctor, the doctor does not put themselves in a position to say, well, look at me. I have all these degrees. Well, look at the college that I went to. Look at all the surgeries I've done. They're not trying to prove their worth to you. You already know going to them that they are qualified, whether you've done your research or made your connection um, to do the work that they're assigned to do, but there's no haggling in the process. And so just hearing you, you know, share that, how you had to um, be of support to clients in the beginning and then to the point where now people have to be qualified for your time brings me to that moment where, you know, I found myself doing that thing of trying to get people to come to me. And I realized I had to reframe what selling was because it, it seemed like selling was just this nasty thing that you would do. And now I understand it as selling is a sacred vehicle to invite people into my work. Say yeah. selling, yes. And selling is really allowing them to say yes to themselves more than it is to say for them to say yes to me because mm -hmm in it they're saying yes to their purpose in it they're saying yes to their vision in it they're saying yes to their mission and so i had to do a lot of rework around around these belief systems with building a business and um, understanding how to serve and support um, individuals. So I, I, I'm like chuckling behind the scene, but nodding at the same time because I can totally relate to um, those moments. And it's not easy, Natasha. I don't wanna give anyone the impression that I'm perfect or without blemish when it comes to my mindset and, and times because I love black women. I want to see us win. I believe I want for my sister what I want for myself. I don't have any problem with anybody else either. In fact, I do well in other cultures, sometimes better than my own, to be honest. And so we have to do better with making people fight us in our pathology for healing. We have to do better. And I, I think collectively, when you get into a group of women or tribe of women or a circle where people aren't operating in lack consciousness, it's a different feeling. It, 
especially when they look like you. We So we have to do better. But no, Iyanla has a saying, you know, it, it was popular. It went viral on around. I won't fight you for your healing. <laughs> I won't, won't fight you for your healing. And so, you know, it's for me, fighting also is not love. I'll fight for you. And sometimes I'll fight with you. But to fight, fight you for your healing, that is abuse. It's abusive to my spirit. It's abusive to my soul that wants to serve you. Mm. I never thought about it in that way. That was like a, a, a shift for me. I call them miracles because I, I love A Course in Miracles. And so anytime there's a shift in your thinking, for that's me, right. That's, that's a miracle. Yes. That's and I, right. A shift in consciousness is, is the miracle work in consciousness. Absolutely. Yes. And so how can women begin to call in more money and abundance in their lives? Intend to, you know, um, be less, less uptight about it. It's not in your, here's the thing. Here's what it is. Thank you, spirit. It's not in your head. You mm -hmm. said women, right? Mm -hmm. It is many of us are operating in our intellect, not our heart, because we don't trust it. We don't, we're not operating in our womb because we've never connected to it. So some of some, when we talk about women, that to me, that is contextual <laughs> because when women just being female is not enough. And so to have a full relationship with your own feminine abundance, I call it feminine abundance. You can't be feminine and abundant and not attract the, the, the life you desire. You can't be feminine abundant or orgasmically abundant and not be a, become attractive to the desires of your heart. So I do believe that, that we have to commit to the process um, you know, and I don't, even though I'm known as, as many different titles, and rebirth is definitely my business and my foundation. Rebirth is not a one-time event. And so when we see something, a version of ourselves that no longer serves us, I th it, it is incredibly courageous to, to say, I want to show up differently and then do it. And anything unlike it in your life doesn't, it, it, do, it, it won't even be able to attach to us. So like, for instance, one trick, one mind trick that I offer is when you're in lack, when you, your bank account is low, when you're questioning yourself, that truly is the time to give, to do something. You know, it could be something as simple as paying it forward, leaving a note somewhere for someone that says, you know, an affirmation. We, there are so many ways to, because really it's about raising our vibration to think different in a moment, to feel better, because it's not just what you say, it's also how you feel. And I, I read in a book where it talked about how money is an illusion and the result is not the money. It's, we are the magic. We are the result of the magic. That's why um, I that, said money, yeah. Yes, yeah. And so that came back full circle, just listening to you share, you know, how to Put, put ourselves in a position to call in more money and abundance. And I find myself doing these uh, prosperity treatment because I've gone to the um, churches that focus on, you know, treatment, your healing. Yeah. I'm more of an explorer when it comes to spirituality. For me, religion has always been um, love. 
I don't define it in a specific like box because I find a lot of, yes, I find a lot of different things. I might meditate with monks next weekend, you know, which I have done, or I might sit with someone else or about learning about a different practice. And so what, yeah, yeah. And so what has helped me is these uh, mindset treatments um, of either writing myself a check or not just the affirmation, but like giving, um, you know, now that you talked about that, because that helps to accelerate that abundance and put us in the space of gratitude. So I love that because I know for me personally, when I give, I end up receiving a blessing in another fold. It, it might not be monetarily, but it will happen in a certain different way. Um, that's been my personal experience. And I know a lot of other women have shared that um, as well. <laughs> right. And you know what? You have to do it. And if you're listening, good people, if you, you have to do it from that place of authenticity and sincerity, if you're doing it to get it, if you're giving to get, that's when I said earlier, like a lot of times we're canceling out the, 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 the intention, mm-hmm. the vibration and the, the law of allowing, right? The law of allowing when we activate abundance is you, you declare what, exactly what I said. You declare what you desire, right? But then there's a point where you move out of the way. <laughs> wow. wow. I love that. I love that. Now, before I let you go, I do have another question for you because you brought up feminine abundance and I've never heard that, not in that context. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm really intrigued by, you know, the combination of the two. Because most of us, just 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 as I said, in the West, we've been taught to rely on our intellect, our degrees, our doing, our things. Even women are, are evaluating relationships a lot of times based off of what someone has, not who they are. And, tell, and they can tell you how that worked out. Um, <laughs> and um, so when, when it comes to our femininity is such a deeper conversation, Natasha. I wrote a book about it called My Juicy Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And um, what I can say is when a woman is lacking in any place in her consciousness about her womanhood and all things womanhood, for instance, little things like I don't get along with women. I don't feel, I don't fool with women. Women are messy. I stay away from them. That's a lot of times a flag to let you know you have something going on in your deeper conscious, unconscious about womanhood, whether it be a wound from your mother, from your sister, or someone who broke your heart, that's lack. That's also lack consciousness. And so, or it could be a woman who's married who doesn't make any decisions. Well, I need, my husband has to decide. I have to, but what do you desire? And can you celebrate, can you celebrate that through how you live and not just on the outside, but what is coming from the inside? And so many of us have lost our ability to be succulent, to be soft, to be in touch with our emotions, um, to be vulnerable with ourselves and with others in our lives. And so that's what I mean by the, by abundance. Of course, it is a process, you know. And speaking of that, I just went on Amazon and I ordered the book so I don't forget. 
um, because I am intrigued by that. Um, money has such a masculine energy. And I feel many times that's how we move into that space. And we forget about the fem femininity part of our being and ourselves. Um, so I'm excited to read my Juicy Rebirth, A Journey to Healing with um, the feminine through pleasure and sacred and a sacred process. Yes. Before I let you go, what is one quote or mantra that you live by? I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely. Mm, snap, snaps to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. And I would mess up her name to, to say it. Um, I should be, I should have mastered the, the, um, the original writer of that quote by now, but I haven't, I don't want to mess it up on the air. I love that. That's such a, I, I sticky note a lot of affirmations around me as a way of just reminding me to stay in that space of abundance. And, you know, there are moments and times where emotions, cause I'm human, um, get the best of me. And I try to move back into that space of harmony and having those quotes um, and affirmations and the mantras help me. So I'll have to add that to my wall or in my car. I have like sticky notes in my car. My husband's like, you got sticky notes everywhere. Yeah, um, that's right. That's a, that's a manifestation technique right there. <laughs> Listen, my one of my first teachers told me, let me tell you, you're saying that and laughing, but listen, she told me when she wanted to manifest a new car, she had new money, she put it right on her dashboard because your unconscious is picking it up, it's seeing it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Very true, very true. Now, if you, how would you spend a million dollars if you received it now? Right now. Ah. Right now, right now. If, <laughs> if I handed you a check for a million dollars, how would you spend that? The first thing is I, I want, I, I, I feel like, you know, you can't see me, but I feel like I got a Jay-Z spirit. Like I want to <laughs> take it and flip it and turn <laughs> turn it into a, a, a few more millions. So the first thing I will be looking at is uh, investments in tech and investments in land. Very good. I love that. And could you share um, with our audience, with the audience, how they can actually get in touch with you and your work? Sure. You can get to me through latanyataylor.com, L-A-T-O-N-I-A, L-A-T-O-N-I-A-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Latanyataylor.com is where you can find all of my active programs to do general consultation. I have, I have a private group. So everything is there. I'm running a special right now called Make Money With Your Eyes Closed. So there you go. Oh, I like that. That's catchy. Make money with your eyes closed. I had to sit back in my chair like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Manifest Millions, Latanya. It's a pleasure to have you share your voice with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode on Manifest Millions. As always, we have conversations beyond the podcast in our community called Manifest Millions. You can find that link within our bio for the podcast. And one more thing, of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe and leave a positive review.